Hello and welcome to the PC Speaking Podcast. I hope you've had a great week and things have gone well for you since the last time we've spoken. We are in the middle of a series called Discipline Now, talking about uh, the disciplines of godly men, drawing some resources from a book by R. Kent Hughes. Uh, certainly would recommend the books. Great book. Um, I started reading the Bible again this week. Um, I usually read through the Bible a couple times a year. I start in Genesis and generally just go straight through. Um, that's just kind of the way I prefer to do it. And there was a thought from the first verse of the Bible that has been rolling around in my head that I've been trying to clarify this week. And it, it hasn't been easy. I've been thinking about this for the past week, and hopefully I have enough of a handle on it to be helpful to you. Today, our discipline is the discipline of productivity, being productive, the discipline of producing something, doing something that makes the lives of others better. Just for fun, to start off, let's pretend that tomorrow morning you wake up and you have more money than you can spend in your lifetime. You pick the amount, it can be whatever you want. And if you're anything like me, I can think pretty big. And now that you have this tremendous fortune at your disposal to do whatever you like to do with it, what are you going to do next? How are you going to live your life? How will your life be different than it was yesterday? People feel differently about what they do, but I would venture a guess that a lot of people, if they were placed in that situation, probably wouldn't show up for work the next day. I don't think that's an unreasonable assumption. Instead, they'd go out and buy something they've always wanted, maybe make plans to travel someplace they've always wanted to go. And I think that's what most of us would probably do, at least initially. And who can blame someone who does that? I mean, that's kind of where most people want to end up in life, a place where you can live at your leisure. And it would certainly be fun to give that a try. I know I would like to give it a try. Who wouldn't enjoy that? At least for a while. But I also think that after six months, maybe a year, I don't know exactly how long it would take, but most people would kind of begin to think, you know, I don't really feel much different than I did before. And this isn't what I thought it would be. This money really hasn't made that big of a difference in how I feel. I'm still dealing with a lot of the same problems I had before. Who knows? Maybe I'm even dealing with some new problems because of all this money, but I'm still unhappy because the fact is, is that a lot of people are very dissatisfied with their lives. A lot of unhappy people. I was looking um, at some stats for Uvirgin, and the biggest search on Uvirgin is for anxiety. And that doesn't have that much to do with wealth for most people. If you have enough to have a comfortable place to live and are not worried about where your next meal is coming from, you have enough to be satisfied. And that's the great majority of us. Not everybody, of course, but that's the majority of us. But many people are still miserable. They're unhappy. Um, some are confused, wondering what the point of all this is. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Some feel that the ultimate goal in life is to feel happy. And unfortunately, if feeling happy is the measure by which you judge the quality of your life, you will likely forever feel like your life is low quality because life is full of unavoidable suffering 
And happiness is very fleeting. It comes and it goes, just like sadness. Out of curiosity, I typed into my search bar on my laptop, why do I? And one of the top suggested searches was, why do I hate myself? And I followed on with that and I typed, why do I hate? And the suggested searches were, why do I hate everyone? Why do I hate people? Why do I hate school? Why do I hate my life? Pain, suffering, and negative emotions are a substantial part of life. And having those in your life doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Matter of fact, you would be strange if you didn't have those negative emotions. If someone says, I hate my life, part of the problem is likely because they constantly think about how much they hate their life, ironically. Thinking that's focused on ourselves tends to make us miserable. If someone is miserable a lot, they should probably spend a lot of time thinking about themselves. To be fair, I think culture has trained us to be that way, especially young people. We're constantly asked, how do you feel? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? How do you feel right now? We're told you need to focus on yourself. There's a form I use uh, when counseling people that it's a lot of questions about how you feel. And self-care has become a catchphrase. And I'm not saying self-care is negative. That's what what I mean. I've actually taught a course on self-care. There's a biblical mandate for rest. We're created to work on a work and rest cycle. We must take care of ourselves to be productive. But as part of that course, I taught that rest is necessary and good until it becomes a self-centered lack of productivity. The reason you practice self-care is not to make yourself feel good, but to maintain yourself to be optimally productive. Yes, you need to take care of yourself, but if your focus becomes yourself, that's pretty much a guaranteed recipe for misery. If I suggest to you that you think about a white elephant, that's easy to do. When it comes to thinking about yourself, you think about yourself. I say, think about yourself. You're going to think about yourself a lot. If I say, think about a white elephant, You're going to think about a white elephant. It's easy to do. But what if I tell you, stop thinking about the white elephant? That's not very easy to do. And the same thing is true if you tell someone to stop thinking about themselves. You have to focus on something else if you're going to bring the thoughts about the white elephant or yourself under control. If you're going to take those thoughts captive, if you only tell someone, stop being miserable or stop thinking so much about yourself, it's probably not going to do much good. But it can be helpful to focus on something beside yourself. And I'm going to interject with this. I always feel like I have to put a disclaimer on everything today um, because people tend to be very sensitive and easily offended. But I understand that there are people who genuinely struggle with mental health. And I'm not downplaying that at all. But for many who are caught in a negative emotion feedback loop, a focus on something other than self can be very helpful. And the discipline of productivity can be that thing. And I've been thinking a lot about uh, a biblical view of the discipline of productivity. That's, that's the thought I've been rolling around in my head. And we're going to read the first verse from the first book of the Bible to get things rolling. And it's Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And we'll be reading a few verses from Genesis today as well as some other verses. But Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Very 
I know a lot of people have heard that verse in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, if you're a Christian, you've probably heard that verse multiple times. The very first thing we see in the Bible is God creates. He creates. And then later in Genesis chapter two, verse two, he rests from his work. He creates, he works, he produces something and he rests and he enjoys what he's created. So in the beginning, God creates, he's productive. He creates everything. And you can read all about that in the first chapter of the Bible. He creates people. And from that point forward, you and I, every person throughout history, well, every living thing really has been the beneficiaries of God's creative work. And that's part of the order in which God has set the universe. We work, we create, we produce, and we benefit others as well as benefit from the efforts of others. You know, the seat you might be sitting in right now, the roof over your head, if you're in your car, uh, the food you eat, you are enjoying the productivity of others. And I like to think that this podcast is the result of productivity, and I am hopeful that it will benefit you, benefit other people. And God has created us to focus on things other than ourselves. He's created us to be productive in a way that benefits other people. And we can't change that. We can try to struggle against it. But if you're not being productive, you're probably not going to be joyful or have peace or be happy. Um, When you think about it, the Bible itself is a result of productivity. The Bible itself is also productive. It accomplishes and achieves God's purpose. It works in us. God said his word wouldn't return void. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, the Bible says, he's talking about people here. He says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's instruction, you know, this is foundational, fundamental, first instruction for people is go and work and care for the earth, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, be productive. God produces things and he creates things, he works, and the things he creates, he creates to be productive. That's how creation works. You know, the plants produce seeds, animals produce offspring. Uh, people create, we work, we produce, we're created in the image of God. And I believe that the better we understand that, and the more we relate with that, the better off we'll be. Being productive is one way that we can pragmatically relate to the fact that we are created in God's image. And we do that by building. We do that by creating. We do that by producing things that benefit others. And a byproduct of that is peace and joy. And you know what I'm talking about? When you've had a productive day, you feel good, but it's a byproduct of that. It's not the goal. And I, I don't, you know, there's things that I sometimes kind of, I don't talk about because people tend to grasp onto them and they run with them. And then sometimes it's like throwing a match on uh, uh, petrol, but I don't want to get too far off in the weeds with this. And I don't want to focus on this too much, but one of the ways God said to be productive is to multiply. 
Now, I'm in my 50s now, and I've been hearing my entire life, as long as I can remember, that human beings are going to overpopulate the planet. Human beings are going to destroy the planet. I've heard so many times people say, humans are a plague on the planet. And you know what? You are not a plague on the planet. It's good and it's right that you are alive, that you are here. And I'm glad you're listening and I care about you and you matter. You are not a plague. Your existence is not wrong. Uh, I, I've even heard people say that we should get rid of some of the people. Now, now when I hear someone say that, I used to kind of ignore it. But now when I hear someone say that, I, I ask them, you know, who should we start with? You know, which one of your children would you like to call first? And then they kind of realize that they're just kind of talking and they don't really believe that. And then I tell them to stop being stupid because it's stupid to think that way. Um, Some seem to think that the solution for environmental problems is less people and less productivity. And that's just dumb. Um, There's, you can see that happening in the world right now with like, uh, with Canadian farmers, with Dutch farmers, Uh, their government is wanting them to scale back on their productivity and fertilizer usage and, you know, emissions and all these different things. But let's say people do become less productive. Let's say we produce less food because we're worried about nitrogen fertilizer or emissions from tractors or cow flatulence or whatever. And if if we do that, okay, if we scale back productivity, what's going to happen? Okay, who is that actually going to affect the most? Actually, the better question is who is that going to hurt? It's going to hurt the poorest people on the planet first. Poor people will starve if we do that. Not the ones who are rich enough to worry about carbon emissions, but poor people will starve. The people that are at the... The, the, the very bottom of things will be worse off. The ones who are just barely hanging on will starve if we become less productive. The idea that people being productive is going to ruin the planet is incredibly stupid. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't act as good stewards, that we shouldn't take care of the environment. Um, I'm a huge outdoors guy. I love being outdoors. I love you know being out in the bush, in the ocean. I love creation and we should steward it well. That's not what I'm saying. But more people means more productivity, which means more wealth. And more wealth means more people lifted out of poverty. And if someone truly cares about something like the environment, the best way to deal with it is to raise people out of poverty. Only wealthy people have the privilege and leisure time to care about the environment. So if you want someone to care about the environment, make them wealthy. And I I really don't care who does or doesn't believe in climate change, but I do care how we react to it. And the way it's currently being done is pretty stupid. And anyway, like I say, I don't want to get too far off into the weeds with that. And, you know, things like climate change and all that stuff usually aren't part of what I do. But I want to illustrate that practicing the discipline of productivity, doing what God says is a good thing. It's beneficial for everyone. It's not harmful. So why are we calling it a discipline? Why is it the discipline of productivity? Everyone benefits benefits from it. It sounds great. It seems like something we would just naturally want to do that would just kind of happen. 
But being productive is not something we just naturally want to do. It's hard. It requires time and effort and sweat. We struggle to be productive. And the reason we struggle is the same reason for the rest of our problems, our sin nature. That's the product of disobedience to God. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 say this. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground on account of you. In hard labor, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it will bring forth for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread until you return to the ground, because out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. Productivity requires discipline because man disobeyed God. Because of man's rebellion against God, now it's kind of like the earth rebels against man. God says the ground is cursed. It requires hard labor to be productive. The ground produces thorns and thistles. Being productive requires sweat. Anybody with a job knows that. Productivity requires discipline because there is a struggle involved. It's not easy to be productive. That's why it's a discipline. So being productive is difficult. And then we can also add something Solomon says in Ecclesiastes to the difficulty. In uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11, Solomon writes this, Then I turned to all the work that my hands had designed and all the labor I had toiled to make, And notice, all of it was vanity and chasing the wind, and there was no benefit under the sun. And when when he says vanity, that means empty. So all of it was empty. There's a palm tree outside the door here. And over the years, I have cut that thing back many times, and it's been cut back by other people as well. And it's just going to grow back again. And when it does, it's going to hit me in the face when I walk by. It's like empty toil to fight with that palm tree. But because of sin, work requires toil and sweat. And then add to that what Solomon says, many of our attempts at being productive are empty. A lot of work is empty toil. But productivity is more than just work. It involves work, but you can work at something and not be productive. We struggle to be productive. The discipline of productivity is something more than just work. It involves work, but it's more than work. It involves creativity, but it's more than creativity alone. Being productive is producing something that benefits someone beyond ourselves. And that benefit might be something that you can hold in your hand, but it might not be either. Someone like a teacher or nurse, for instance, is producing a benefit for the rest of us, even though that benefit is not something I can really pick up and hold in my hand. Nick. So what does the discipline of productivity involve? Uh, In the second part of Romans chapter 12, Paul is talking about um, some concepts. You could even call them rules, I suppose. We should apply to our lives as Christians. And Paul writes in verse 11, he says, Do not be lazy in diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Paul says, don't be lazy in diligence. That means don't be slack in careful and persistent effort. It's very easy to be slack instead of careful and consistent in the effort we make. I read an article the other day that said up to 89% of employees admit to wasting time at work. Um, 
And I suppose that's the honest 89% and the other 11 were just telling a lie. But it takes discipline to be productive. Um, I have three coworkers in my office every day. And you may have to work with similar people. And they can be very difficult at times. And their names are me, myself, and I. And I'm in a position where I'm pretty fortunate. I write my own schedule for the most part. And that sounds pretty good. And it is pretty good. But sometimes I doesn't agree with me or myself about what I think we should be doing. And the three of us, me, myself, and I don't always see eye to eye about what needs to be done or when it needs to be done. Sometimes me and myself want to go do something else. And I have to discipline myself to keep me and myself on task. And some days that's a real challenge. It really is. And the only thing that makes the difference between lazy and diligent is discipline. That's really all it is. The discipline of productivity requires diligence. I've had an odd array of jobs in my life. Um, Some of them were fairly brief. Um, I've worked at a golf course. I've been a bouncer. I was a fishing guide for a very brief time. Um, I once had a job at a gravel pit where they made... uh, bitumen to surf surface roads or uh yeah what do they call it uh in the overseas i can't even remember what they call it in the u.s anymore but we call it bitumen um or blacktop i guess you could call it anyway that's kind of irrelevant but there was a big hopper where they would dump a hot mixture in to make this stuff and it was part of the process it was like tar and sand or something they put it in this big hopper as part of the process and part of this mixture they dump it in there with the loader and part of it would get caught around the edge of this hopper and they needed someone to get up there with a shovel and shovel this loose stuff into the hopper. And it was hot and it smelled like tar. And if you stood in it long enough, it'd burn your feet because it was hot. So you wanted to keep moving to stay on top of it. And you also need to be careful to avoid falling in the hopper because that would be bad. Um, and I, I was only there a very short time, not because I didn't want to be there, but just because the connection I had didn't work out. But the thing that was great about that job was that I was a 17 year old kid or right around there. I don't know, maybe 16. And I was making as much money as the grown men I was working with. And the minimum wage at the time, I I had to look this up on Google because I had no idea what it was, but it was $3 and 35 cents an hour around there. And I was making $10 an hour. And that was huge pay for someone my age at the time. And having your efforts recognized that way, financially or otherwise is really nice. I mean, if you are well-paid, it's really nice to have your your effort recognized. It makes it easier to make the effort and be enthusiastic and diligent and productive and all those things when you feel like what you do is recognized or you feel like what you do matters or what you do is prominent. Now, one of the problems is, is that a lot of things are important, but not many things are prominent. And I read this in the book. I've been going through the disciplines of a godly man. And there was a symphony conductor who was asked, what is the most difficult instrument to play? And he said, second violin. And we can get plenty of first violinists, he says. But to get someone who will play second violin with enthusiasm, that's a problem. And I think we can all understand what he means. Playing second violin well requires... Someone special, someone with a can-do attitude, 
which is a talent in itself. So what if when we practice the discipline of productivity, we feel like it's not prominent or it goes unnoticed or people don't think what we do is important or even we don't necessarily feel like it's important? Well, the Bible speaks to that too, as it does to many things. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 say, Servants, obey those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not serving when eyes are on you, but as pleasing men as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing services to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing any man does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is enslaved or free. A big part of being productive in the way Paul talks about when it's not a prominent thing and other people don't see you doing it involves humility. And Paul tells servants, which would be a bond servant or a slave, to obey their earthly masters with a sincere heart as to Christ. Practicing the discipline of productivity involves diligence and humility and remembering that you are a servant of Christ. And he sees what you do, even if no one else does. He sees. It says, doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing any man does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is enslaved or free. So God sees what you do. Remember that. That's important. Be diligent. Be humble. Be productive. Do the will of God from your heart. Well, I hope you find that encouraging. I hope you find that helpful. And if you do, and if you know someone who who might find it helpful, please be sure to share it with them. And thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to talking to you next time.